0: Yeah, that's good.
1: glad we're ending this season where we're ending it. Guys, uh, we, we do rank uh, music for Worst to Best, Forget the Rest, although, you know, with that last David Bowie episode, let me tell you, it was a journey, it was a thing. Uh, me, yeah, Evan's... I
0: don't know if we can apply Worst to Best. Nah, I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> worst to the top seven. Uh, and uh, the thing is that it was me, Evan Saadi, it was Terrence O'Reilly, it was our two favorite guests, John Harvey and Bobby Evers, uh, doing it, ranking the Bowie, talking about the Bowie, and that's what we're doing in the Happy Hour Sode, where uh, the bitter tensions have quelled somewhat. I uh, And we can talk about some other Bowie-related things in this particular era, including, uh, most importantly, the question that we start at the top of every Happy Hour Minisode. Guys, let's just fucking do it. What is the worst pre-1981 David Bowie song? I haven't
0: had this many choices
1: in so long.
2: (laughs) Man, I I did make... A little lit like any I was going through each album and writing down the songs that I thought were the worst and Love You Till Tuesday is still still up
1: there. Grating. Creepy Chris Docker um, Bowie is yeah. out there for
3: you. Uh mine is still s-
1: sell you a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mine is also off of the debut, and it is still Join the Gang, because, uh, there are a lot of times when that song doesn't fucking rhyme. Dude, well,
0: we're just shitting oh, no. on that, oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, please, Mr. Gravedigger, <laughs> as my, as my wish was <laughs> So, I think that after we finish shitting on uh, the, uh, debut a little more, let's, I'll pick a song Our that Our favorite non debut No, okay, right. because
3: no, I, I showed my bandmates, I was like, I, yeah, I told them I was doing this mm-hmm. podcast, and we ranking David Bowie albums, and I, uh... I'm like, yeah, except I think I listened to the worst album I've ever listened to. And I just started playing it as a joke. And everybody, it was so entertaining to just play to others. Because everybody immediately, like, this is terrible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, When I Live My Dream? Oh, Cool. Uh, yeah, there was some dark... Yeah, also, yeah, We Are Hungry Man. Oh, your debut album, you're going to talk about Infant Side. That's great. All right, so... Oh, yeah, that's
0: some yeah, fucked up shit. Exactly. I can't believe we didn't even talk about uh, that We Are Hungry
1: Before. Man. Yeah, that's, uh, again, shit. Uh, so that being said, what is your favorite not... Or uh, worst David Bowie song that's not on the debut? Favorite bad David Bowie song? Yes. Um, or just the worst David Bowie song is what I mean to talk
2: about. I wrote down Running Gun Blues also Joe the Lion off of Joe Church. the Lion? Really? really?
0: I, I like Joe I, the Lion. I, don't
2: even, I, I wouldn't call it my favorite but... I couldn't even tell you now what it sounds like but as I was listening to it I was like this goes on my list of songs I don't like.
1: Okay. That's surprising. Honestly
0: after initially kind of liking it, African Night Flight is a good choice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For- that might be mine. That is actually definitely my pick. Because uh, as much as there are other songs that I don't like on there, that's like primo terrible. though. Yeah.
0: so I can't like pull what it sounds like to my brain, but I remember really not liking uh, newcomb off of Heroes. It's just one of the instrumentals. Yep, couldn't tell you what it sounds like. Yep, so. it's like the saxophone one, or it's like, like
3: you know, it's just like it's like all that cold fucking atmospheric ones, like.
2: That's terrible.
1: You know that one? Oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> oh, that one. I
2: don't know it, but I uh, want to hear wait, it now. Wait,
3: What's your pick? Um, either uh, fill your heart or hang on to yourself. I really just don't like hang on yeah. to yourself. I mean, yeah. How I does you
0: "hang it. on to yourself" go again? What's the? It. That's the. So hang on, hang on. We really mm-hmm. got a good thing going. So hang on. Man, mm. I, I enjoyed like that. that song. Yeah. I also no,
3: actually I'd probably put "Scary Monsters" before that. Yeah, yeah I, but
2: and yet "Scary Monsters" know, is one of the best songs on that album. It, it, really? That's one of the best songs. I just there? think
1: it's, it's like it's the title of the album, so that's how people remember. Oh, it. Oh,
2: also the fucking gnome song.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, that's gnome. not on no. one of these albums. Yeah, exactly. But right, yeah. but it's
3: pre-eighties.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do 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 do. Yeah. I'm going to no man's land. What <laughs> yeah, like
3: was that on? None of these bad song questions. That like you know, this is also the self is the only one that I've like noticeably been like, oh, these are terrible. I just my brain end kind of is like. If I hear a bad song, it just kind of pushes it out and
1: erases it from memory. Right, it's like yeah, not a hard thing. Yeah. So yeah. when you like ask me this, like I just can't remember. I think, those, it, yeah. but the reason I do it is because, especially after we did the worst of best, like I think it's just a nice kind of like reengagement yeah. of like reaffirming or like you know as much as I love that album, no, that song was really terrible. It's just a different perspective to look at it. It's also a good jumping off point for discussion too. Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh. oh.
0: Fucking uh, chant of the ever circling oh, skeletal skeletons. family. Yeah. Um, I didn't even mention that during Diamond during Dogs during the main episode. But so it's it's just like a normal like rockish song for a minute and thirty seconds, and then it just has like this skipping like guitar blip thing, <laughs> and it's like really like. I have to, like, take my headphones out. Yeah, happens. no, I agree like, with that. Like, to the extent where it's, like, this really just shouldn't be on a song. Yeah, There's cool. no reason. It's, like, almost as bad as the shit during Zorica. I'm serious. Like, it's that obnoxious. Yeah.
1: So, uh, one thing I did want to talk about, and I don't mean to get, like, too dramatic, controversial, like, right away, but Terry and I had this really interesting discussion this week how, especially after he put on the dress, uh, after uh, the man who sold the world... Uh, he did an interview with Melody Maker where he said very explicitly in the interview, "I'm gay," and the thing is that, especially in the time and the times for someone that was being a pop star, that was selling records and things like that, was an extremely controversial thing to say. And then I think it was a decade later did another interview where he said, "I'm straight." And, like, it's just kind of felt... And I had weird feelings about it, where it's like, David Bowie opened up a lot of doors for a lot of people. But when I heard about that kind of crass promotional thing that he did there, I had mixed feelings because, A, like, oh, you're co-opting the gay community entirely for your success, because that is exactly what he was doing. But at the same time, I had conflicting feelings, too, because, like... He was hanging out at a lot of gay clubs. He was getting to know a lot of people. He was right, hanging out like with Andy Warhol in, in the factory. Thing. Like he was constantly experimenting with
2: homosexuality, or like yeah, bi- like a drug. Right, he right.
3: wrote that. I remember he said that. Like he, no, worked, he was. Looking. He said he was like. He said that you like you described himself. Like he was felt that he was bisexual, but that he didn't really bother saying that to American audiences because they would just say he was gay anyway, and there was no real point in doing it. And then I think he would then later said that like. Probably saying that I was gay was like kind of a mistake and that he was just really more sexually curious. I mean, he also fucked Mick Jagger. I remember which his is wife, a tr- story, was, a true yeah. Story, I remember his yeah. wife just walked. T- yeah. the story of that by his wife's account is fucking hilarious because she's like, walk she's us like, through it. If she's you like wish. she wa- she opens up the door and she's like, I walked. I opened up the door and saw Mick and Bowie naked in bed, and I decided, you know, I bring them like tea or something. And he's like, and I have to admit, I was a little bit jealous because. I wanted to sleep with Nick, <laughs> 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 and uh, but she's not wrong. Right? There um, was. I read this thing. Uh, I read this thing that I'm surprised isn't like more part of the pop culture zeitgeist, but I think in Elton John's like biography or autobiography, he described about how he really didn't like David Bowie because of the co-opting of the gay thing, mm-hmm. but I guess Bowie didn't like Elton John because he thought that um, Rocket Man was just ripping off of Space Oddity. Space Oddity. It totally is. <laughs> no, you want to hear another one, Benny and the Jets also kind of pulling a few moves from changes. I mean, it does have the stutter in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, A, a,
1: a, 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 a little bit. I'm, you know,
3: know, not that, Bo, I'm saying, Bowie stole a lot of shit, too. Bowie's yeah, not yeah. innocent in that regard. No, he's but, not. So then, like, uh, then on top of that, like, Bowie, like, you know, he'd come, like, Bowie had a... Uh, but calling on Elton John for being, like, uh, oh, you know, he's old-school dad wave, you know? It's not, like, really anything progressive, and, like, Elton John's like, it's like, fuck you, you're not even a real gay, and you're just co-opting the shit, and now you're talking shit, and, like, fuck you. Yeah, that a campfire. And he was like, yeah, Elton kind of, like, really, yeah, because it he also he's coped out of his mind. So oh, yeah. There's, like, yeah, I just thought that conflict was kind of funny, I'm surprised it wasn't talked about more.
1: For me, like, it's also one of those things, and, like, this, I don't know why I'm bringing this up as a discussion point, because it's stupid, and we're not endorsing it, but, like, he made a lot of great stuff on cocaine, guys. Like, actually, though, yeah. you know? Like, it's like it's what...
2: Stephen King wrote a lot of good shit when he was on drugs. Yeah. Rumors would not have happened without cocaine.
1: Like... And Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was well, just kind of, well, because especially this era, like, him, like, when he picked up, like, I'm not even sure... How much I love him as a producer in terms of like what the sounds that he's getting out of when he's producing mm-hmm. a record. It's just more the fact that he's producing and giving attention to artists like, cause like Lou Reed's Transformer, it's a crazy album. These were all songs he basically wrote for the Velvet Underground, but they're all fucking classics. And like when he does Walk on the Wild Side, is you know, biggest song ever. Like, you know, it was Bowie that probably had a little bit more of the influence of like, yeah, let's have the backing vocalist come in with the dude to that there. Like, let's make that a real palpable, real thing as you have the slide of bass going on. Like, he was, you know, he was fascinating he's a little bit of a raw producer but like i kind of like we also during this entire podcast didn't even mention tony Visconti, his biggest fucking collaborator who like is incredible actually who like helped him realize all these sounds we barely i mean we just barely scratched the surface his collaborators are also the most important part of the whole legitimately though actually. because like as great as bowie is he's not an amazing guitarist he's a good songwriter but, like, yeah. But then, yeah, then
3: he has the, you know, what's acronym, the damn rhythm section, Davis, Alomar, and uh, Murray, Benson. Greg Murray, like, you know, the bass, the bass player, guitar player. Dude, Carlos Almar is also just one of the most incredible guitar players I, so we, I could,
0: I could tell that just from watching him, uh... We watched the Five Years documentary, uh, from before going BC, into this, yeah. Um, and he has a couple appearances on there where he, like, for example, he breaks down the fame riff, and, sh- like, shows mm-hmm. each layer as it was like they were just riffing in the studio and And, like Bowie like
1: heard the tape of it and he's like I like this right he
0: heard he heard the tape of like the very bass like guitar simple arpeggio thing and then kept adding on top but just you could tell from those such short clips playing songs that you knew already you're like oh my god this guy's a fucking amazing guitar player yeah just like sitting in a chair strumming you're like oh that sounds Perfect.
1: But I think it was actually John Harvey who brought up the very, very fascinating point about, like, especially that documentary of how David Bowie, not I mean, again, like, you know, great songwriter and everything else like that, he knows how to play his his, his bandmates. So, like, like, he knows how to implement like, them. And what I found
3: really impressive is that, you know, is that, you know, how how much these genius-level players were impressed and thought that, you know, Bowie's not a technical guy, but the people that are technical are just like, well, this guy's fucking clever. Cause you know you have uh, yes from the, you have Rick Wakeman from the iconic band the uh, prog rock band yes playing mm-hmm. keyboards on Hunky Dory and you know this is a guy that forms some of the most complex music ever and even he's just like even he's like oh yeah this move that he does on Life on Mars is fucking brilliant and I was just there to spice it up a bit but like this is how he written like this guy fucking you know this guy wrote fucking playing roundabout and shit and he's like yeah Life on Mars that's some crazy shit going on there yeah and you know uh. Yeah, no, fucking, then, like, I love, like, when in some of those documentaries you show that, like, Bowie will have something, like, he still writes most of these songs, you know, like, he'll Mm -hmm. come up with an idea, like, the stuff with Nile Rodgers, you know, he has these chords, it's kind of a rockabilly thing, it's called Let's Dance, and Nile is like, cool, let me take that and turn this, let me bring this empty space,
1: add some echo, yeah.
3: And Golden Years is the same way, that he just kind of does this basic riff, and I forgot what he said, it was ripping off another song.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he said he was
3: ripping up another song, and he's like, oh, you can't do that. So Carlos Almar then switches around to that, and there's so many people that are just like, these ideas get passed around and get turned into
1: something incredible. Uh, Bobby, I was wondering, did you go and see the David Bowie Is exhibit when it was here in Chicago? I did. Okay, because I know, Taryn, you did not get to experience it, but like we did see it briefly, and specifically in talking about his pre-1980s stuff. I wanna get your reaction to it as well because I had a very specific reaction to two things and I know you had a very specific reaction to something as well. What were your thoughts on it? Because walk you know, like for people that weren't there, I wasn't even a big Bowie fan at the time. It was this big exhibit, I guess it was in like in London, traveled to a couple other places there. It came to Chicago and like my parents were down, like, let's go see it. And like I'm like, David Bowie's cool, I guess, whatever. And I went there and it was mind blowing. But walk us through that.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was great. It, it had all of the I don't know, the visual things and the Artifacts and it tries to take you through an experience, but like, I felt it was it was kind of hard because I went on like a Saturday around the holiday and oh, like God. it was it was real busy. So you're just standing in line to read a plaque or like a placard, <laughs> and then like, so it's it's kind of a tough experience. But then like, it's sort of it's like motion censored. So like as you are approaching an exhibit or a, you know a thing. It, like it'll just start playing in your ears uh-huh. it'll play music and it'll play his voice talking and narrating things and because he was still alive at the time you know so um, so I, I, w- I went with one of my friends and it's always a bad idea to go to a museum with someone) <laughs> Just because, like, you're reading at different paces, it's like trying to read a book at the same time. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. So, like, I I went all the way through and I was done, and she had like she was still standing in line to read placards, uh-huh. and so I like went through the whole thing a second time, and I think the, so. You got a lot of Bowie, I out got a, lot of yeah. Bowie. I a lot of Bowie,
3: and a lot of Bowie. You see the coxcomb. I don't... I, I it's, must have. It's, it's hard... It's very easy to miss. I think I got a picture of it somewhere because it's, like, smaller than your pinky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, it's cocaine. I, yeah, I almost missed it until I was, like, checking out some photographs and I saw this little metal, very ornate, finely carved, silver <laughs> little...
1: Yeah, fair.
0: Well, the other that, thing... That sounds about right, though, because... Stevie Nicks always used to talk about how, like, the reason she liked cocaine so much was because there were all these little trinkets that came with it. Like, (laughs) all the the cute bags and, like, all the spoons and all these little, like, tools that you need to, like, do coke in various ways. She's like, I love that stuff. Cocaine should make a comeback. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this podcast does not endorse cocaine. I
2: can't believe I had to say that twice during the fucking recording this of the David Bowie thing. Not uh, I
3: remember, yeah, I remember, cocaine I remember because I I went to the David Bowie is exhibit and that was I mean I just feel like I learned so much about just art in general. Right. Most specifically, do like that totally changed all my opinions about fashion. Like right, I totally yeah. kind of got not fashion, just the song yeah. got like yeah got fashion after that. And you have these people that are like oh these famous you know. European and Japanese designers are all obsessed with David Bowie because his features, like, every inch shifts from what's normally defined as a masculine or feminine feature. So it's like, uh, masculine shin, feminine cheekbones, like, masculine, like, yeah, just everything keeps shifting. And so, like, I kind of, like, the, that, like, you kind of start to understand, like, how goofy it's kind of supposed to be, and you just kind of are supposed to challenge that. But there's, like, fucking, they had, like, they had so much shit. They had, like, the the suitcase synthesizer that Brian Eno plays pretty much everything on Low and mm-hmm. Heroes with yeah. was like sitting in a box yeah. um, they just kept all these like he um you know he like all these like all the fucking artwork that would become album covers and stage designs like he all the really... alternate photos
1: from the different photo shoots for these things yeah um, dude there was yeah
2: yeah I, I felt like the Berlin Trilogy was uh, like that whole section was a really interesting thing mm-hmm. Cause, I mean like I feel like when you talk about any sort of artist who is trying to break out and do something experimental and like it's weird and different and hard to listen to or challenging like it's it's sort of a cliche but like with bowie i feel like he sort of like invented that in a way of like i am gonna go alone in a room in berlin and do weird music that just sounds nothing like pop right because and, like, like
1: i mean I remember, like i have one of george harrison's his wonderwall album and one of the solo albums was basically like solo sitar shit for like an entire album i'm like cool and you know like and he did another album where it's just like him with the synthesizer where you could only do one note at the time like imagine you had a keyboard you can't do any over, overdubs or anything else like that it's just one keyboard but it was crazy cool because it was new at the time so let's go ahead and try it out he did a whole album of that yeah. pioneer in the genre it was a shitty album so like and there was the thing about that like i, I remember seeing the video of him during the snl performance where yeah. he was like done up like naomi klein like he did that, that that whole thing and then also i remember the eno cards because brian eno he's yeah. done it with u2 and he's done it with other people he has this deck of cards where it's like he like it says things on there like reverse the song or, like, you know, like, it's just, like, you know, like, do it, you know, like, you know, as blue or something like that. Like, these whole creative clues of, like, if someone's stuck on a particular album, he'll, like, pull out a card and, like, try and do it for you. Like, it's this whole, like, process that he's done. Which is good, because I don't know if you know this, and especially in this podcast that we've been doing for two years now, Brian Eno comes up a lot in a lot of the things that Man, we've done. Yeah,
0: our second Eno artist? I guess so, technically.
1: Who is the first?
0: Talking Heads. Yeah. Because that was
1: also, like, again, dealing with crazy idiosyncratic people that did and crazy things. And them in. Yes. yes, exactly. Well, writing them like, he found a way to, like, be creative and arty and commercial at the same time, though. Because, like, for yeah. Albrina, every yeah. album, you know, touches, it is commercial, but it always has an element of weirdness or at least a statement to it, though. As much as we think of him as an auteur, he's still a pop guy at the end of the day. And I think even he doesn't maybe not want to admit that. He's got some killer solo albums of the 70s, baby. is on fire. Yeah! Off of Here Comes the Warm Jets. That was fucking <laughs> crazy, yeah. John Harvey, do you have any other uh, good Bowie stories from the Sarah? Thoughts?
3: Uh, from the Berlin one? I don't know. Or just, or just I
1: mean, pre- yeah, pre
3: pre-19. I am fucking I got to admit I'm pretty fucking exhausted yeah, from, all the, yeah. from fucking all the Bowie talk. It but, was I, mean, training. I just uh you know man, like it's just kind of the weird thing when you like I said at the beginning, it's kind of the crazy thing about it. It's how so many people from every different genre just decided that like Bowie is like high art. And uh-huh. I think like the only other band that I can think of that had like that unanimous agreement was like Radiohead. That mm. people are like, yeah, every like, album. That people yeah. are like, oh, this is like th- th- yeah, this is like culturally significant and like really like like and, and it expands from beyond just the music itself. Like, you know, like his music also inspires like visual arts. And the fact that you have like Aladdin Sane is one of the most iconic album oh, yeah. covers. Bobby got
1: face painting of that during
3: his DJ night when he did that, yeah. Um, No, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy that how in every nook and cranny he kind of just seems to pop up. I'm not sure if there really is a more influential single artist than David Bowie.
1: Yeah, like, you could say the Beatles, but in terms of the number of genres and styles that he did, yeah. The
0: Beatles are obviously clearly influential. You still hear their song structures everywhere. They influenced David Bowie. But I feel like they influenced... Music and the way that people responded to music. Whereas, like, David Bowie, and it helped that he started in the 60s and 70s, so he's had time to permeate, but he's like in every form of popular culture. In, like, you find his influence in music, in fashion, in cinema, yeah. in like he's fucking everything. Great yeah. You, you, like, see the David Bowie influence. And we and been... the way that he. Influenced how, like, people see gender and see, yeah. like, humanity. Like, yeah. he really reshaped culture.
1: Well, yeah, and that's, like, I a way that when I, I talked about, overstated. like, how I was still upset with him kind of co-opting the gay community, though, he was still a really popular guy that said he was gay and was still pretty popular. And it like, wasn't he. a cool move. It wasn't,
3: like, a popular no. move, you know? Like right. It was a cool move. Yeah, but exactly. it wasn't a popular move. You I know. know, and
1: he kind of made it like for a lot of people that were outsiders and weirdos to be like, "That's cool, someone else is out there like doing it." I and being also accepted. think he was
3: just generally so fucked up and busy all the time that I think he, I think he believed it. Yeah, I, I think the more that when you hear about it, I think he like did kind of. Believe that, but yeah, like, I mean, like, you know, to even admitted that, like, the marriage with Angie was kind of a sham, and, like, there's other funny stories of, like, oh, David and Angie throw the best orgies. <laughs> 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 that sounds about um, right. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> sounds about <well> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I also loved how much he just gave back to new artists, you know, like, he totally. He, you know, he was never, but he was never one. Of, he's not a fucking Keith Richards or a David, that, like holds David on to his legacy
1: with his old craggly hands. Yeah, yeah,
3: they're like, oh, these kids don't do it. Like, you know, he, David Bowie's the kind of guy that will like look at like Lord and be like, man, I think she's really cool. And you guys, there's you need to you need to look at her because she's sweet. Or he will be like. Man, like, death grips, man. Like, I kind of want to... I kind of dig what they're going there. Maybe I should pull some of that. Or when the... he was listening to the Kendrick
1: Cal when he made his last album. I mean, do you see like, that thing from Champion the... Dark
0: Darkly Fire. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah,
3: like, uh, his 51st birthday was just him championing other artists for the best part. Have, have you seen... You know where that famous picture is where it's, like, he's, like, sitting backstage and it's him with, like, sitting next to Billy Corgan, Lou Reed, the Foo Fighters, uh, Sonic Youth, uh, The Cure, and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and like all these famous bi- and Frank Black of the Pixies and all yeah, his yeah. favorite artists and uh, Trent Reznor and it's like every single person that he loved and he just used that to like every song, almost every song during the set of his fiftieth birthday, he just bring on somebody new and like his favorite people to just play with because I he just loved new music and new art that he was just down to be like to support
1: new yeah, people. Yeah, and he always threw it behind there, which is why I did the guest vocals on the Arcade Fire and the TV on the radio albums and everything mm-hmm. else like that.
2: Did That's you guys? Also... Did you guys read the the Trent Reznor interview about after he died? He was talking about how David Bowie like talked him out uh, or like talked him into like getting help with addiction or whatever like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just
0: I rem- I remember reading that. I don't remember yeah. very yeah, details. Yeah, it, it.
3: it was like about like when they did the co tour. Like yeah. David Bowie yeah. It's like, "I've be- I've been there before, and yeah. it's totally not necessary. You're you're still brilliant. You, you're brilliant. It's not the drugs, and you don't need that. And you yeah. that's kind of also what I dig about Low and Heroes. Is that you know, like you think that you like worried that like if you have the drugs he's not gonna be there but he yeah. abandoned that and busted in two of the most famous albums yeah. of all time within six months of each other right you and know and like
1: any and, and for him I think it was also in interviews he talked about him realizing he could still create art while sober mm-hmm. that was like significant and powerful and still touching because Heroes it wasn't the biggest hit it was still a hit nowadays it's one of his most listened well, to songs nowadays
0: it is his number one yeah the day we recorded this song.
1: Billboard reported that he had a breached re- one billion streams on Spotify, which is great. I think,
3: no, I, well, that's the reason why maybe, like, if I was saying what I think the best record is, you know, because it's, like, a moot point, but, like, with Heroes, I just think that, you know, in terms of, like, all the styles and everything that he's in, I think is kind of, like, the most fur, like, ex- like, extends in the most furthest thing, like, you know, Heroes is also almost, like, Proto- like the prototype for shoegaze in a sense, uh-huh. yeah. you know, some of like, you know, the more ambient style, like rock that's going on there, like on there, you know, the riffage is still strong. I
1: don't know. I just think, yeah, I, he, he bends genres, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I got two last things to talk about before we go. First off of this era of 67 to 80, just curious what got, what is the best cover you've heard of a David Bowie song of songs from this era? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked this. <laughs> my
2: my go to is going to be the Sea and Cake doing "Sound and Vision." It's oh. just a
1: perfect. I didn't even know about that one. I sent one. that to you. Oh, I don't remember that the one with Beck? Yeah. No. No, because okay. Beck did the Diamond Dogs off of the uh, Moulin Rouge show. Oh, Wonder I, I track, the Diamond yeah. Dogs
3: one. Beck did a cover of Sound and Vision with the 150-piece orchestra, oh, which is fucking you know, insane. That, yeah. Sounds yeah. that sounds awesome. Oh, that sounds awesome. No, like, crazy. yeah, yeah nice. like, and then, like, basically, it turns into, like, this nine-minute version, and then, like, it's got a fucking gamelan section. <laughs> it's like, uh, and at the end, like, you, like, you, like, these, like, kick it up in double time, and then they've got, like, a 30-piece chorus, and they're, like, do, they're singing, the
0: like, everybody down
3: with the sound and vision, and, like, everybody's fucking clapping. And, All right, well, we know what we're gonna watch after we um, stop recording. And, and and yeah, yeah. I'd, Both say, those. I'd say either that one or, um, I don't really, I didn't really listen to a lot of people covering Bowie, but I did finally get around to listening to, um, Lorde do the Life on Mars cover at the Brit Awards, mm-hmm. and that was fucking heartfelt.
1: That was, I kind of get what More than fucking Lady about. Gaga's bowie performance really? in the grass. So, that was oh. a whole thing. Uh, yeah. That what do being, you got? I had oh, one you Oh, it was Stewie Cox. Oh, yeah, Starman, Starman from uh, John C. Riley is actually disco-fied and wonderful. Honestly, I kind of like it more than the other know, I know. And, like, it's obvious as fuck, but, you know what? Give the guy credit. Nirvana knew how to pick a fucking cover. Oh, oh,
2: yeah. Fuck. That's the reason I like that song. (laughs) It's It's fucking Nirvana. Yeah,
1: because, like, legitimately, their cover of it, like, his voice Complemented that era of Bowie yeah. surprisingly well. Like yeah. there if, yeah. I mean, because he had such a one of kind, one of a kind, and
3: you could almost, in a certain way, describe Kurt Cobain's voice as dystopic. <laughs> it is <also> kind <laughs> of alien and sounds like yeah. Kurt Cobain's voice, singing voice, sounds like it could be from like a dying
2: race. I kind of aliens. wish he did a song yes. off of Heroes oh my God, too. Oh, yeah.
1: so real. Speaking of Heroes, <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, the fucking uh, Wallflower. Doing Heroes oh. from the Godzilla sound. <laughs> <Is laughs> where, where like, are we in agreement on oh, this? Oh no, yeah,
1: no, I love it.
2: It's, a, it's, it's pretty good. Cool. Okay.
1: Uh, How about the Elephant Love Medley, you guys? Oh yeah. In the name of love. uh oh, wait, please, hey, hey, hey. Alright, so the other thing I want to do, uh, it is our season finale, it's the big break there, so I'm going to close
3: off. Uh, can I get a fa- just fa- real quick favorite Bowie song? Oh, of this era? Of any.
2: I'm just gonna say Ashes to Ashes. Boys.
3: Just because of the heroes.
1: aforementioned
0: thing. And I wouldn't have said that uh, two weeks ago, but <sighs>
1: my my pick would be Heroes. Interesting. A gut instinct. It's a tie. Uh, I do. I mean, uh, gun to my head life on Mars if I had more time to think about it. Might even be a new career in a new town. Ooh. Interesting. I, oh, mine's yeah.
3: either Heroes and it's like a tie between Station and Stay.
2: Man. Also, uh, there's some stuff on Heathens that's really good, like oh. Heathen the Rage. Oh
3: so fuck, I here. take it back, it's probably Black Star. <laughs> We're
2: not <laughs> <Yeah>. gonna... <laughs> exactly. I
3: like I love the I love it when he extends. Oh, oh yeah. wait, keep it keep <laughs> yeah. extending,
2: exactly. I, I have a I have a tangent as well. Okay. Can you tell me what happens in Space Oddity? Like, he's going into space. Right, he's and, talking to ground control. He's talking to ground control. Then what happens? It's like
0: it sounds like he becomes famous no what? I, I, it sounds like something goes wrong something goes wrong something what? goes wrong uh, I would assume an explosion of some kind okay. that's usually what happens in space disasters yeah. and then for whatever reason he's still alive but he can't get better and so he's just... He's just float. floating. Floating.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's how the song ends. You see, i of, floating and there's nothing I can do is the last words of the song. I and then got, it's just like the fucking horns like drifting off into space.
2: I sort of got that impression, yeah. but like... He, it wasn't um, there's something missing from I, the story. No, and I think he, he no he uses, he uses it's
0: a, pretty nebulous. He uses yeah.
3: music to describe those kind of transformations right. and that's the like bow, like you bow, know
0: bow, like that's something intense happening.
3: Like yeah. when, like that like that closing like's like guitar and like saxophone right, or, like you know like, I know you said you hate ch- uh hate chant of the ever circling. I think before it is the dumb skip like because Big Brother's about brainwashing mm-hmm. and you know it's like the end part where like he's finally like submitting to Big Brother yeah. and it has been converted like Chant of the Ever-Circling is kind of, like, it's the first minute and 30 is supposed to be, like, after it's converting, it's, like, normalizing all the fucking brainwashing, which is why it, like, sounds so creepy and manic and before it does the dumb skip. Okay. And so, like, I feel like he has, like, certain moments in that where it is, like, that's it, what music is backing the narrative. That's what yeah. I find, why I still love all the instrumentals, is that it is backing, you know, this, like, you know, like, this, it's like, you know. An unseen movie. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: then
2: with Ashes to Ashes, presumably he's in some other planet.
1: Yeah. And he's just like... And he's... But the thing is, everyone knows Major Tom's junkie. So it's like, is that yeah. like actually him, or is that people's perception of him? Because they clearly, yeah. he was famous. People clearly knew who Major Tom was. But like, you know... And then, of course, didn't Major Tom later appear on another song on there? He, Hollow Space Boy off yeah, of some I 90s? Oh, yeah. Going, yeah.
2: And then there's a little bit of stuff in Black Star... In
1: the video, there's like oh, a broken the astronaut. Yeah. Oh yeah, the man, astronaut like, with it, oh. the old skull and all that other yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that was like I watched that video recently, even though it had nothing to do with this era. But I'm like, yeah, that's a fucking weird video. Did I love watch it.
2: I listened to it during the eclipse. Oh, so that's like, yeah.
3: what I want. That uh, I, I was looking up that like, I guess like the guy that directed that very iconic had also directed the music video for um, "Hung Up on You" by Madonna. Oh.
1: <laughs> All right, then. And hey, listen, she looks great in a pink leotard, guys. I'm telling you that no matter her age. Uh, so the last thing I want to do, it is our season finale. It's a big event. Uh, we have two of our favorite guests on there. So two favorite guests. I want you to trust me for a moment. Can you do that? Can you both trust I'll me for never me? trust you, but go on. Okay. Can you both close your eyes for a moment? Um... This is, I, this, the reluctance is amazing. Evan, I know what you like to do to blind people. (laughs) That's that's a terrible- just close your goddamn eyes. Closing. but keep them close, keep them close, keep them close, keep them close. I think I know what this is, though. Keep them close. Something is on my leg, alright. Thank you for narrating this, by the way, because podcast is... Okay, that's all. That's You, know, you yeah. can just get you over your eyes now, Bobby. I fucking, I do, I
3: fucking
2: love cardboard. <laughs> oh, cardboard. I love it. Yeah. This appears to be a gift of some
1: kind. Yes, it is a gift of did some kind. Did you get us a gift? Maybe I did. Why? Why? I hate <laughs>
0: gifts. I we you. don't deserve gifts. Possess- gifts,
1: exactly. And possessions. And uh,
0: material
2: goods. Oh, Whoa, shit.
0: Oh, shit. Evan. Evan.
3: We don't is this why these? you asked me that question earlier? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Evan. For those listening, Evan bought both of us a vinyl copy of Aladdin Sane, yeah. which is, I was going to go home and listen to it on the computer anyway, but now I'm going to go listen to it on vinyl.
2: Evan, yeah. thank you oh, so thanks, much. Thanks, man, dude. Yeah. I kind of want to frame it because it's got that iconic. I color. know, yeah, like Dude, it's
0: fucking. Dude, you know? the backside is also pretty fucking. <laughs> <original> too, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a a, a sketched outline of this, the cover in blue and red. Did you, somebody like drop these off a truck?
1: I mean, I'm not saying how I got them, but, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's one of the things, like, I, I eventually had, I'm really glad I made it into the top seven, because, uh, even though it was number seven, though, it feels like, yeah. yeah.
3: I think it's also a top fiver for me, at yeah, least. It you know? is
1: for me, too. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I wanted to just get you guys, I wanted to thank you so much for uh, enduring the podcast that we've done, oh, and thank uh, you. doing thank that, you so much. at the very least, because we leave in a spirit of wonderness and generosity, that's what we're all about, I want to say, and yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever said that, but sure, let's go with it. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, though, uh, John and Bobby, thank you so much for being here and being a part of our epic. Well, thank you guys, Joey thank Disco you Taryn. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, Taryn
2: doesn't get enough credit for all the work he does in the show. Yeah
3: think
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I get I get plenty of credit yeah. more Evan Any does anymore. a lot of work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we do it together and I will say officially here I didn't allude to it earlier but there will be a season three. Uh, and if you guys would be up for it, we would potentially want to do a uh, David Bowie, eighty three to twenty sixteen. If you'd have be to, okay with that, exactly. Yeah, I
3: actually I went back and was like to kind of well, what am I expecting, and I realized the first one I started off is actually probably going to be the last one. I, I have think. a
1: feeling we're going to agree but, on the worst ones a lot but easier. Then, uh, but than then the I era. started
3: checking out, and like he actually did bust out some really interesting, some pretty good records here and there from yeah. like his later career. Yeah. Also, you know. Like Blackstar having industrial elements is less surprising once you see what he was doing. Oh in yeah, the
1: especially 90s. in the nineties, once he did like Earthling and other yeah. things like that. Once he was experimenting with the drum and bass heavily, yeah. Well, in that case, guys, uh, do us a favor if you wouldn't mind, please. Uh, due to the kindness here, please go ahead, rate us on iTunes and like us on Facebook and post your own list and Stitcher and all those things. Taryn, any final wonderful thoughts? No. All right. So, in that case, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening all season long. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll catch you next season. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Girl. Bye. Bye. <laughs> never fucking made. It's the song it's ever made.